Okay, stay with me on this one. I had three days. Three days to get from Los Angeles to Boston. I was leaving in five days from Logan Airport for Heathrow in London. But in four days, my dog was leaving his stupid dog suit. The metaphorical clock was real loud. I had to get going, so I catapulted my 1986 Toyota Camry through blazing hot dust and freezing winds and torrential rain, all of which blew right into my face because there was no driver's side window thanks to an elderly man who sideswiped me the day before. I did 80 the whole way there. I slept in parking lots, gas stations, the sides of empty back roads. I had to be home in three days because Pokey Gizmo Crespo, that was his name, was 15. He was a Yorkie, diabetic, had a tumor, bum hind legs, was blind and incontinent and miserable. My mom and stepdad were the ones caring for him though, so they had to make that impossible call. I wasn't around much. What could I argue? But this was my pup. He was mine. I pulled into their driveway. The car stopped, never started again. 3,000 miles with an oil pan leak will do that. And then it was morning of day four. Pokey gets one last meal. I think it was cut up steak. Barely able to take it in. We wrapped him in a blanket and drove to the vets. He loved my stepdad the most, but I held him because he was mine. The car stopped and I still couldn't believe this was happening. Oh God. We go in and everyone knows why you're there when your dog is that ragged and gray. Back room, they give us a minute. It's not enough. It's never enough. Vet comes back, explains how it works. Pokey's barely there. He's ready. We aren't. She gives him the shots. Got my hand on his chest. My mom and stepdad have their hands on him too. His heart slows. Gets fainter and fainter. And then there's one last bump. And then the light in his eyes, which are just his cataracts, recedes. And we all cried, and I cried until I couldn't stay awake, like a baby. And the next day, I started a new life in London. That was a long time ago. But now, I'm an adult, and I have two dogs and two cats, and I'm the one who's going to have to make that call one day. What the fuck am I going to do? This is stupid human suits. Sean. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> so welcome to Stupid Human Suits. Uh, I'm Carol. This is Sean. I am Sean. Uh, if you couldn't tell from Sean's intro today on Stupid Human Suits, we're going to be talking about our stupid furry buddies. And uh, what did you call it, Sean? Their stupid furry suits. <laughs> yeah, stupid furry suits. Yeah. Yes. Uh, joining us is Dr. Christina Romero. She is a veterinarian at City Vet Care on the Upper West Side, where she focuses on internal medicine, pathology, and emergency medicine. And she was born and raised right here in New York City. Christina, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Welcome. Yeah, we. Uh, that is. Uh, she works at uh, the vet place that we take our dogs and cats yeah. to. So yes. this was like. Uh, she's going to be witness to a lot of. A lot of sadness <laughs> in our lives someday. Um, I know you had a question about uh, her pup. Why don't you? Start yeah, that? you've got a so you've got a dog named Sangria. Yes, little I Chihuahua. Do. How old is Sangria? Sangria is going to be ten this year. And is Sangria like a, a nibbler, a cuddler? A... She's 
a little bit of A, a little bit of B. She has her people that she um, loves and adores and will do anything for. Um, she's not the most obedient dog, <laughs> um, but she can turn into an ankle biter if someone comes in with big shoes or she's, the moon is a little bit more out than it is. So and you really, take her to work with you? Sometimes. Very infrequently. But yeah. She has her she only started started one fight the other day so that's an improvement for her from you know what she used to do and you were telling us uh, before we started this we were chatting with her uh your so sangria has basically because while you were away at vet school you had your mom watched sangria and now sangria is has switched yes her loyalty has shifted to my mom so that's really messed up. She is now her favorite person. I think our dogs do that. They basically whoever they see in the hallway is their new <laughs> their new favorite yeah. person. They just if or a door opens, food, yeah. Yeah. Yes, chicken. Exactly. If a yeah. door opens, they run in like that's where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, no loyalty. <laughs> none, none whatsoever. Um, so uh, at City Vet, um, and we we'll talk about uh, the training as well. But like at City Vet, how many animals do you wind up seeing? on any given day, like on average? Or uh, give us two numbers, like what's a really busy day, what's a really Yeah, so a really busy day, uh, maybe like a dozen appointments. We typically have like a morning stretch of appointments, um, maybe like four to six. Mm-hmm. There can be zero sometimes. It really just depends on the day with scheduling. And then we kind of get like a break in the day that's called the procedure time, and that's the time that you get to do anything that's dropped off for you. So that means like spays, neuters, mm-hmm. If there's like a wound that got dropped off, people sometimes can't hang around for appointments. So they'll do like drop off appointments, callbacks, and then the rest of the day. So probably like four to six hours, you'll have appointments there. So probably like a dozen. Mm-hmm. All right. Busy day. And then Makes do you, um, do you just see, uh, do you call them patients? Yeah. Okay. Do you, yeah. do you just see <laughs> patients or do you do surgery and stuff as well? We do. We do okay. both. Okay. Um, the with GP doctors, at least like the practice that I work with, um, we mostly on our own will do like spays, neuters, little mass removals, mm-hmm. like skin removals. But um, for any other major surgery, like if a dog needs its spleen out or eats a ball and needs to cut out of its intestines, <sighs> we uh, we have a surgeon, like a traveling surgeon, that we call if it's within business hours and she can actually come because she jumps around to different hospitals. So. Oh, wow. We, in my opinion, that's good that we don't have to do that because I don't have a lot of experience doing that. And I wouldn't feel comfortable cutting that by myself. So we have the the privilege of calling that. So how, how do you get that experience? Because there there's not a good answer. You just to have that. to do it. You oh. just have to jump into it. I mean, when I was working emergency last year, I got to do a lot of things for the first time. Yeah. Because I was an intern, and you just have to do it. And so, like, I did a bunch of things that I am now comfortable doing because I had the opportunity to do it when I was an, an ER doctor. But there's no way to know but to just you risk. Just get you just have to do it. it. Hopefully, you have like a good mentor, but sometimes that's not the case. And <laughs> you just have to throw yourself into it and just like be honest with the owners. And, right. You know, if they're if they're bring their dog to you and you're the only vet that's open, it's you know we can try this but it may not work out so that happens yeah like what when you were when you were training uh how do what 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 are the sort of like you know if you were a physicist uh or a dentist or like oh you're looking at picture i can see the the you know never like the picture well what do you what do you like what are the books like what are what is the the books are minimally helpful sometimes especially if it's like an illustration because it's never like that um and also you have to think about like your patient's 
and half the time the patients are in pain they try and attack you so oh. you have to factor that into you know I'm also doing something I've never done before so it can be extremely stressful <laughs> and imagine. there's a lot of factors and you almost always need help you know there's never anything procedure wise that you can do alone like yeah. you need a good tech as well mm-hmm. so it really depends on everybody's comfort level and experience level you just have to just do it <laughs> what um what made you want to become a vet because I, I the way I think of being a vet has changed from when I was a kid to like yeah. I love animals I want to be a vet yeah to an adult like what do you have to see every day yeah. so what made you want well, to get into it I grew up with we always had cats and dogs growing up and, and you grew up here in New York I grew up in New York City and um probably when my I had a really old cat that he and we actually this was a cat that had long hair and we thought it was a girl for many years it was actually a boy <laughs> nobody checked <laughs> and we didn't know that until he blocked and he couldn't pee one day oh, no. and so then we found that he had a penis and it's <laughs> not a girl um so that ended up being like a ten thousand dollar surgery and oh, i was just what? like so I think that experience just like opened my eyes to the fact that like you can see actually save animals. He was going, yeah. she was going to die mm-hmm. if we didn't take him to the vet. And the fact that he was normal after that was like pretty amazing to me. And just like I think that was my first time actually going to a vet and seeing like everyone sitting in the waiting room with their cats mm. and just knowing that like people care enough to take their cats and dogs to the animal hospital and that mm-hmm. there's someone that can address these problems and like just enhance like I'm a big um, promoter of like the human animal bond and I actually think that it's a thing and I think that it's something that can enrich our lives yeah. and so that was a big part of like my dad he always just made sure that we were grounded and just like know to respect animals and so I think having that in my life was probably a big drive for me to that just seems go like such through. a rare thing like yeah. people a lot of parents just you know they assume you'll love animals but they no, really we were taught to like respect them and even like my my nephews who are four and eight now like from the very beginning we teach them like don't grab the tail oh that's great like you you rub them on their back when they say it's enough you leave them alone like we we were taught that at a very young age and like my dogs growing up we had like a german shepherd mix and she was like my guardian and she would sometimes in, in, in the weird way that dogs can tell on you, she yeah. would do that to us too when we were doing something stupid. And so I <laughs> knew that she was looking out for us and she was very smart. Sounds like a German. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder. But Excuse me. We- <laughs> Excuse me. There's a young girl stealing cookies. Yeah. Good impression. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a podcast unless you did one of your fantastic impressions. <laughs> oh, I, I do so many. Guys, what if Al Pacino no, were no. a bag boy? No, we don't want to hear it. No. <laughs> Paper of plastic! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, High five. Uh, there we are. Um, <laughs> we got it. Actually, but you reminded me, we were talking before about uh, Sean and I have two cats, mm-hmm. and uh, we used to live in an apartment that had a... a a roof deck off the back and our neighbors had a roof deck and one of the cats she was a little bit more of a wanderer she got out and got over the fence and couldn't really get back Doctor girlfriend. and we were in yeah, yeah doctor girlfriend <laughs> we were inside and our other cat graham came running in meowing hysterically in yeah. our face graham and Catman. he alerted us to a situation that yeah. we didn't know we were like did we thought he was just being a dick actually does that as well too like if in but she does it when someone isn't sharing food with her. <laughs> so she'll come, she'll do her little lassie bark, wow. get my attention, I'll follow her, and then she'll bring me to this person who is eating and just look at me. That <laughs> this is... person isn't sharing. So. Does, does, like, because our dog knows where the treats are, one yeah. of our dogs, the other one sort of knows, but Fenny Fenchurch, like, she'll look at us, 
Look up to the treats. Yeah. Look at us. Look up to the treats. It's so hint, it's hint. eerie. I am trying to communicate with yeah. you dumb humans. Do yeah. not understand. If they could hold up a sign with yeah. an arrow. There are treats <laughs> that are not in my belly, and we need to resolve this. That is a this. problem. Yes, this is a conflict. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, speaking of the, you know, the, the bond that your your dad helped instill, like what, what specifically is it about these, the... You know, we we are in these stupid human suits. What is it about their stupid fuzzy suits that uh, we just can't say no to? Like, what is what is that relationship based on? What is the thing? Yeah, what is I that? I think it's the fact... So we talked about earlier, like, questionable loyalty. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just in the form of how they like to spend their time and what they like to do. A lot of dogs and cats, they like to sleep is what they spend most of their time doing. But I think it's the... I don't know. I think we get like an endorphin release when we're around them mm. because it just makes us feel good to know that something like this just looks up to you so much. And it doesn't matter if you've had like a bad day, if your breath stinks, if you have like, you know, it doesn't, they don't care. Every time you come home, they're going to think that you're awesome. <laughs> and there's no person that's going to be that consistent with you. And yeah. I think that we there like isn't that. Carol. <laughs> Just, yeah, I got you in the middle of that. <laughs> I think that there is just this constant like affection that, that dogs and cats provide that just there's no comparable, mm. you know, thing in, in between humans, I think. And it's just a different relationship. Yeah. How, how what's your I don't mean to but like between a dog, you're, you're not a dog person. You're not a cat person. I thought it was a dog person, but I I don't know. It's hard for me to say which one I am because I always have both. Mm. And cats, they just, they're so peculiar and they can be so bitchy. And it's yeah. so funny to me to have to like finagle around working with cats. And even though they'll swat at you, they'll still like rub on you and mm-hmm. be friendly and yeah. you still have to feed them. So I think just the cat behavior is just so funny to me that I can't help but admire them. Uh-huh. And chihuahuas are kind of like cats too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're, they're small. They're too. moody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Sangria probably does think she's a cat, but. We are we one of our cats. We feel we think is Graham a is a dog because they just they'll lie, they'll all three of them are two dogs and Graham will lie together in a tight little huddled ball while Doctor Girlfriend the cat cat is uh, her name Doctor Girlfriend yeah it's from a cartoon <laughs> the Venture Brothers cool. yeah um yet she she goes off and does her own thing but when we come in the two dogs and one cat greet us at the door like they all three yeah. come right together I think together. it's so funny when cats do that yeah and they oh, they'll yeah. meow and they'll like circle around my feet mm-hmm. and. Sometimes it's to feed them, but sometimes I like to think that it's that they're happy that I'm yeah. home. Yeah, I can't tell. Like, I feel like I switch back and forth between, like, when the dogs are being cute, I'm a dog person. When the cats are being adorable, I'm a cat person. Yeah. I don't think it's you're ever both at the same time. I think you just bounce back and yeah. forth. I do so think that no cats bullet. tend to be smarter, I feel. Yeah. yeah and I, sure. I have noticed, like, I have a cat. Um, her name's Wonka. I've had her for probably, Wonka. I don't know, 13, 14 years. And she used to kind of just do her thing, not really pay attention. And she actually, um, before we got a chance to spay her, got something called a pyrometra, is- which is when the uterus fills up with pus, uh-huh. and they can die from it. Um, and she had to go into emergency surgery. It was like right when I became a tech, and the hospital that I was working oh. with was closed. It was July 4th. Oh, wow. So I had to take her to like this really expensive emergency practice. But after that experience, she was inseparable from me. Oh. And I think it was her way of being, saying thank you mm-hmm. for helping me because she really didn't really want anything, not want anything. She was way more independent before and would just kind of like yeah. hang out on her own. Every room that I go in, she's right there oh. following me. That's so sweet. Yeah, that's yeah. One of our uh, dogs, uh, Graham. We uh, I found him. Cats. It's our cat. You just called oh. Graham a dog. Oh my see? god! Yeah. Same thing. I haven't. There's no loyalty anywhere. <laughs> um, 
Uh, Brooks. Brooks. <laughs> That's our dog's name. Yeah. We found, I found him in a park uh, tied up to a fence. Somebody just abandoned him. Yeah. And um, so, Well, the park she used to live, she grew up Oh, by. yeah, St. Nicholas yeah. Park. Um, so uh, I'd w- one woman had been there with him, and she'd waited for about an hour, and nobody came to get him. And I, I took over, and I had our other dog with us. And uh, so I couldn't find anybody who seemed like they knew anything about him. So I brought him home, and he immediately got along with the other cats and the do- the dogs yeah. and, and just was fine. And so we decided to keep him. But he, maybe this is my own stupid thinking, but the way he looks at me, I feel like he <laughs> knows that I saved him and I'm definitely his number one. Yeah. Like, we, like we just have this like, oh, totally. Cool. And that's something that you can't explain to other people. Yeah, because you sound like an idiot. Yeah, but. yeah <laughs> and it's just like, I have this thing with my dog. We both understand. Mm-hmm. And that's just the agreement that we have for life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's very serious. I mean, I think Fenny, uh, I've spent more time with Fenny over the mm-hmm. years because I wind up working from home a lot. I'm an yeah. actor. I go to auditions. I'm a comic. I go to shows, but I'm home a lot. Yeah. Uh, and she's just used to having me run the show for her yeah. so whenever she needs something you are her person yeah, yeah. and she'll like you know she has this little uh, stuffed dragon she shakes at her face and goes Rrr! and it's super cute but she always like she'll try carol out a couple times and carol is super focused on when she's focused there's nothing outside so i'll just watch fenny slowly give up oh, on no. carol it's it's Aww. hilarious it's adorable because she's like shake shake Shake. Well, I'll be and then she lies It's not down. like I'm staring off in the distance. No, no, I know. You're on your computer, but she'll just lie <laughs> down next to Carol. Yeah. And then I'll come over and she and take the dragon and throw it for her. And she's just, you, she like gives Carol this one last look. It's like, <laughs> you had a chance. You had your chance. She looks at her and looks at me, looks at her, looks at me. You had a shot. It's terrible. It's super cute. <laughs> Can we add, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. Well, uh, I I wanted to backtrack a little bit to talk about um, you know when you got into being yeah. or when you started mm-hmm. studying to be a vet. W- were you nervous at all about the sort of like dealing with the harder cases and having yeah. to put animals? Yeah, I down? still struggle with that now, and I think that that's the nice thing about working with six other doctors is that there's always going to be something that you've never seen before and don't really know what to do. Right. So I, yeah, I, I used to get nervous about that, but I think that's why I wanted to work where I wanted to work so that you always have people that, even if it's something we, we all have never seen before, at mm-hmm. least we can all help each other on like how to get through a case that happens almost every day. Oh wow. So it's, it's not something that I get so nervous about now, now, but I think in school, yeah, there were, because everything, you learn textbook in school. Yeah. And things are not always like that. And then you have to deal with, like, the human aspect of it. And when you have to tell owners, which is most of the case, I don't know what is going on. Right. People don't like to hear that. Yeah. And you also have to take into account people are spending money up front for this. Yeah. Right. So there's so many factors in veterinary medicine that don't exist in human medicine, like the whole insurance part of it and dealing oh, with yeah. you have two patients instead of one always yeah. and, and one that can't tell you what's going on yeah you have to be a detective yeah. people lie people don't want you to touch them they it's just so many things you have to fight with people sometimes to actually just let you help them mm-hmm. and i think i struggle with that more than anything oh wow. because mm-hmm. you can't 
force yourself on people. If people don't want to do A, B, C, you can't force them to do it. But it's really just those conversations with people that I struggle with. When you feel like you can't get through to people, but you want to so bad, mm-hmm. that's what I struggle with more than having like a difficult case. Because at the end of the day, you can you can fix certain things, and you know you can throw like supportive medications that probably help the side effects. But getting through to people that I think are difficult when you you know this is a fixable problem. Yeah. that's the difficult part for me. Oh, that's gonna hurt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's what's like a I mean, don't talk about it if you don't want to, but like what's maybe one of the worst case scenarios you've seen in um, your time? Probably what well, probably respiratory cases are probably the most difficult for me. Mm. Um and the dogs that come in and were fine yesterday, but today they're huffing and puffing and you take chest x-rays and it looks like they have cancer all over their chest. Oh, Those are the ones that make me like shrivel inside because it's so hard to get these owners to understand that this is this is not going to end well because a lot of times people will want to hold on. Yeah. And for problems that you have the insight to know that it's not going to get better no matter what we do, um, it's like my job is to be an advocate for the patient because I have the knowledge and you know the experience to know that this is not going to end well but to get inside of people's heads and and relate that to them that when especially that main situation because that has happened to me probably in the last year maybe like three or four times Mm -hmm. where as soon as we see the chest x-rays like my stomach drops yeah because you know they have no idea. I'm yeah, gonna go into that like room said, and give them terrible. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna be the Grim Reaper when I walk into how the much, room. Like, do you do you tell them how much time the dog? We always have like an estimated projection of what we think will happen. But yeah. sometimes in situations like that, we're like, we don't know. It could be days. It could be hours. Yeah. You know, this is not something that's. How, how do you out. make that? So yeah. how do you make that call when? Because we've talked about this a little bit, just, you know, fearing and anticipating dealing with our own pets as they get older. When do you make the call between, well, they're sick, but they're not in a lot of pain yet. Like, when does that tip? How do you know? So I think you'll get a different answer from everyone. Mm -hmm. So the quality of life talk is super subjective. And I think that once an animal appetite and voiding themselves when that becomes affected you have to look at the things that they like to do are they still doing those things Mm -hmm. because if not then you have to start thinking probably this isn't a good quality of life so you know for my own cat before I became a vet the um, the one I was telling you that she Mm. he had blocked (laughs) and eventually got heart disease and kidney disease and was constipated and not eating so Mm -hmm. got to a point where we were kind of like force feeding him and having to give him enemas. We were literally putting food into him for like a couple days before it dawned on me like this is, he has long has left his body. This is not my cat anymore. And so that part I think is difficult for people to come to reality with when you just, I will do anything in my power to prolong this. But I think once you realize like they're not going to the bathroom, they're not interested in eating and they're not playing with their toys and doing the things that they love to do. That's when, to me, that's when it's time. Right. What, uh, I mean, maybe we can just talk about the spectrum of consciousness too. Uh, cause you know, let's, let's say a fly is one and a human is 10, you know, where, where would a, uh, you know, a, a reasonably not completely stupid dog be? Yeah. 
like um, a six, a five? I think they're closer to like probably, in my opinion, closer to like probably seven, eight. Because um, I do think they understand when we're feeling pain. Yeah. And, you know, I've had times where like I'm crying and my dog's like standing on my back like, what's going yeah. on? Yeah. So I do think they have a level of concern in consciousness when they, I think they pick up on emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think that. You know, some people think that they don't, but I think they totally understand. If you have a connection with your animal, I think that they can totally be aware of what's going on because they get cats get uh, what looks like disease type yeah. clinical signs like urination sometimes or they'll get like UTIs when like their parents are going through a divorce. That totally happens. Wow. And they act outside of their character as well when in times of stress. Like for a dog that usually doesn't bite, you know, they'll they'll, you know, be stressed out and bite the kid mm-hmm. if the parents are fighting. So mm-hmm. I think they totally pick up on the energy that we put out and they're totally conscious of it. What about their own joy and suffering? Like how how conscious of their general like you know you give treats that's one thing but yeah. like hey you know you leave them alone for six hours four or five hours and they're you see them you know we have a little canary those canary devices yeah. so we can monitor them uh-huh. um and we'll see them like get up a little bit here and there and and once in a while play uh but it's definitely not as much mm-hmm. as it was like a couple of years ago so like how much how much of how aware of you know their own happiness are they i think they're 100 percent aware of it and i think i mean age comes into play with that yeah i think as dogs and cats get older they just like to sleep a lot more mm-hmm. and having sources of like enrichment in their environment whether that's toys or some people leave the radio on or having a tv yeah. that has like a ball that's bouncing that cats can watch i think that that's nice to have for them but yeah. they'll pick and choose their level of activity but i think they're totally aware of their own happiness like 100 percent. and the suffering i mean if they're in pain well i think that they get scared when they are in pain mm-hmm. and they just think that everything that you're going to do is going to hurt them more so i think that you know, there's a, a limit to how much they can understand what's going on. Like a lot of dogs that come into the animal hospital when they're hurt, a lot of the times they're fearful because they don't understand that we're going to help them. And some of them, I right. think, will realize after time that they feel better when they leave so they don't have such a negative connotation when they come into the vet. Yeah. But I think sometimes it takes, you just have to build trust with them in order to break down that wall of you're going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. So, And some dogs you can, some dogs you can't. And they just are always on the defense. Mm. Yeah, Fenny, whenever we bring in Fenny and Brooks, because we always try and bring in the two dogs together and the two cats together, but you guys are great with all of them. It's just Fenny, Brooks takes his cues off of her because mm. she's the you know the dominant and yeah. older. And Fenny divides her her stress and excitement of visiting the place almost perfectly equally because she gets really excited <laughs> yeah. when we put them in. The, we have this little cart we uh, that we pull behind our bikes to take them to, uh-huh. to see you guys because we leave in, live in East Harlem now, yeah. but we love City Vet so much we're not going to move them. So we, we take them there and they get super excited. And then on the way, halfway there, they realize where they're going and they like they start growling and yeah. barking. And then when we get in there, they're excited again because there are other dogs and they're like, I want to go in and there are treats. And then like a minute later, th- like she's panting and they get scared again. And it's like this weeble wobble back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, once we leave, you know, they have an, they have like a, an emergency poop and then they want to go They're back scared. in. Yeah. yeah. It's scared. so confusing. We never know. Like, you know, are you all right? Do we yeah. need to take you back in to. They're just super present with their emotions. I, know. Yeah. You take them I the think they're therapist. just stressed and yeah. they just don't know. It's just the unknown that probably scares yeah. them. 
Um, this is weird people that are really nice to them, but they do really weird things at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So it's just hard to interpret that yeah. when you can't understand why you're why there. Why is a finger in my Why butt? today? Why today? Yeah. What did I do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what, so this may be a little bit of a self-serving question, but uh, so we are, we have two dogs, two cats, eight, eight, six, and three mm -hmm. are the, the years. Yeah. They eat well. Uh, they currently don't have any illnesses. What can we do to make sure they live to like thirty or forty? <laughs> so nothing. A million. <laughs> um, well, I think just making sure that and this is also not a self plug but making sure that you take them to the vet for mm -hmm. annual visits is like the best thing that you're going to be able to do for them because we'll be able to pick up on things that you wouldn't normally if there's like a tumor in the back of the mouth you're mm -hmm. not going to know right. that so I think that's the best thing that you can do and just be really keen on making sure that they have like a good sense of like quality of life when you're not there mm -hmm. you know you know what they like you know the type of food that makes sure that you're feeding them a good food make sure that they're actually eating they're going to the bathroom because some people don't know if we ask them like oh how's your appetite they don't know yeah so just paying attention to them and making sure that you include them and know what they're doing on a regular basis so yeah. you should know if your cat hasn't eaten in three days yeah so yeah. i think just paying attention taking them to the vet every year and then keeping up with like preventative medicine which for dogs is like the heartworm and flea and tick and mm -hmm. cats that are indoors they don't really need a lot of that um but i think so many people are just think that especially for cats it's just feed and water feed and water yeah. yeah and it's really not you know if especially cats can hide being in pain and and they're really stoic so if they're you know sick sometimes it can be months before you realize something's wrong and then sometimes at that time it's something that's reversible or not yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so i think just you guys seem like you're very in tune with your animals and i think that's plays a key role because you actually care and you'll pick up on things you know? yeah we have to brush our cat's teeth which is just the yeah. worst brushing their teeth i mean ideally every day but yeah. not yeah. everyone can do that so we try we aim for like three times a week four times a week yeah. but graham the the our older cat uh you you guys had to take out like eight teeth i think yeah, yeah. sangria just had four teeth taken out two days ago is that does that happen that often mm-hmm that seems crazy. Yeah, that's cats a lot. And certain breeds, too, like Yorkies get terrible dental disease. Mm -hmm. A lot of cats get this thing called tooth resorption where the tooth just seems to, like, rot away. And they can be two, three that's years what, old when this yeah, happens. Yeah, that's what it was. And there are cats that need, like, full mouth extractions because it will eventually affect all of the teeth. And it's something that's super painful, but sometimes it's above the gum line where oh. you can see. So you look in the mouth and it looks fine, and then we take these x-rays and it looks terrible. And so it happens all the time. Oh and dental gosh. dentistry is something I think that... A lot of it's hard to relay that to the owners that it's actually important to keep up with that yeah. because people don't go to the dentist as yeah. often as they're supposed to so to convince them that it's wise and will be of the benefit of their pet to spend you know a thousand dollars on this dental every year every other year it's really I think I struggle with that too yeah but when you see the sometimes just showing them the x-rays or just showing them what they can't see and in, in an awake animal a lot of times it's hard to do a full dental evaluation yeah. so when they're under anesthesia and that scares people a lot too because yeah, cats and dogs sure. have to go under anesthesia so you know the risk of the risk is there but it's so minimal and it's rare and we have like really good monitoring that's similar to even like human medicine like we're monitoring blood pressure heart rate mm -hmm. like you have a tech there standing there specifically to monitor anesthesia the entire time oh that's great so and you have to do that for a clean for like yeah anytime they go under anesthesia even if they in. are sedated they need a tech that's monitoring their vitals the entire time that way if something happens wrong we can act right away yeah um okay so this is going to be 
probably awful, but I want to ask, um, can you explain the process of putting an animal to sleep? Yeah. Like what, what do you, what are the chemicals? What yep. do you do? What happens? So typically, um, we will give them like an intramuscular injection of some type of sedative. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is mainly to just calm them down. So they're, you know, you're not chasing them in the last minutes of their life. So that's mainly to just like take off the edge. It's not anything that's, um, it's usually not a painful injection. I mean, it's an intramuscular injection, but it's meant to basically just slow them down and relax them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, most doctors will either like place an IV catheter because you have to give the euthanasia solution IV. I mean, there's many oh. routes, but the easiest way to do it is to do IV. You can put it in other cavities of the body, but the fastest way is to put it IV. So you'll either put a catheter in or um, you'll just uh, stick them IV with a needle. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it just depends on like how good their veins look if they look like they have crappy veins I'll just put a catheter in because you might miss it if you just stick a needle in and the goal is to just try to minimize stress in general so whatever is going to be the most peaceful less stressful do that Um, and then we give them sometimes propofol which is actually an anesthetic Um, it's actually the the Michael Jack the drug that allegedly Michael Jackson um, we put animals under anesthesia with propofol regularly Mm -hmm. and so it is if it's given slowly it's a pretty safe drug to do if you give it too fast it can stop breathing and stop the heart right um so we give them that just also to put them into a good plane of anesthesia and then we follow that with the euthanasia solution which is actually a central nervous system depressant and so back in the day it was used to actually put animals under seizure and stop seizures Mm -hmm. but since it's such a narrow safety margin right death is a side effect um it's now used for euthanasia um so we give them that it works within seconds um, oh wow and it's painless so that's pretty much how it happens we just warn them sometimes after giving the euthanasia because it'll stop the heart is essentially what will happen Um, we listen with a stethoscope just to make sure because the dose can be variable it always Mm -hmm. works but sometimes the time period right in a perfect situation seconds it will be effective but sometimes either if you get some of it like outside of the vein or you know if there's right. poor circulation like some dogs with like heart failure or take a little bit longer because it does have to go back to the heart and get back into circulation so um you know it's it always works but sometimes the time period and they there are sometimes like a couple breaths that happen after they're gone like little agonal breaths that they are completely unconscious mm-hmm. they're not aware of it so i always just tell owners that you know, like the eyes may stay open. There may be a little bit of twitching. And you, normal. the owners are able to be there with their They pen. have the option. Okay. Yeah. So I think probably like, you know, 70% of people want to be present. Mm-hmm. I think it's nice, but everyone grieves in a different way. Sure. And if you know that you can't sit there and see that, even though we explain to them, it's a peaceful process. Yeah. Um, then we give them the option of we'll just do it, you know, in the treatment room. And we'll have the techs hold them while we do it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you, do you think, I mean... Do, do any of these animals seem to, to, do any of them know? Do you get the sense that they know this is it? I think some of them do, yeah. I think a lot of times when um, pets are so far gone, I think that they are just not even aware of what's going on, especially the dogs that are, like, hopped up on so many painkillers. Because sometimes we'll try that before just to try to see if we can make them feel better. Yeah. We'll just, you know, especially, like, dogs that, yeah, exactly, dogs that have, like, really bad cancer, really bad arthritis at the same time, and there's just, like, so much going on. They're, like, incontinent. We try to see how long we can get them to be as comfortable as we can. But then once the comfort is out of the picture, I think that they, I think they know sometimes. (sighs) can't even you know i know that's like one scenario for all that and then there's the uh 
uh, you know, the shelter situation when a lot of those are just healthy animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's... I wanted to do shelter medicine initially. Oh, really? And then that part of it kind of turned me away. And I know that it's necessary and that's what has to be done because of space. Mm -hmm. And there's just, people are gonna continue to make dogs and cats that don't have homes and people are gonna continue to get into situations that they can't avoid, that they can't have pets anymore. And that's Mm -hmm. always gonna be the case. So shelters are always going to be full. And that's a lot of the reason why we try to discourage people from getting pets elsewhere because there's so many animals that will otherwise be yeah. killed mm-hmm. simply because there's not another cage to fit them in. Yeah. And so I forget the amount of time that they're able to stay at the animal care and control. I think it's variable, but ACC especially like no like, sh- no kill shelters too. Yeah. Like they have a capacity. Sometimes they can't take it. There's yeah. not unlimited space for these animals and these animals have to eat. A lot of times they're sick or, you know, so it's just... It sucks, and I I don't think that I could do that regularly. Yeah, you know, as part of, and that's part of shelter medicine. I, I just can't even. I just I'm sitting here and my eyes are watering. I'm just thinking about yeah. it because I mean we we tried to rescue a cat uh, that we brought to the ACC. Uh, it had kind of messed up back legs, and we found it in a lot near us, and uh, we brought it in, and we were explicit with them in several vis- person visits. Emails, phone calls, do not put this cat down. If you can't find somebody for it, we will take the cat and we will find somebody. And then we pop in three days later and like, oh, yeah, we put Trillian to sleep. Like, mm-hmm. I, uh, what do you need to be told yeah. to not put an animal down? Are you just used to putting animals? And I, I, I snapped at the guy at the desk because I, I couldn't believe I was so heartbroken and sad. But... I walked back in a minute later and apologized. Like, I know you have an incredibly difficult job and I'm sorry for that. I just couldn't contain myself because it just, you know, it's, it's, it's not a business, but it, it operates with business like parameters. Yeah. They have their guidelines and yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, and you, you, you guys uh, are, uh, your Dr. Kaplan started the Toby project, which Mm is hopefully one of the solutions will ameliorate this. Do you, can you tell us a little bit about the Toby? Yeah. So the Toby project offers either low cost or free spaying, neuter and vaccine. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a mobile clinic. So it's a van that goes to, um, different neighborhoods. They have a schedule of where they'll be on the Toby project website. Um, and they basically just mass spay neuter all day and then you pick your dog up at the end dog and cats up at the end of the day um for pure breeds i think there is a small fee i think it's 75 dollars or 50 dollars um i have to double check um but um you can if that's an option to try to prevent you know animals from having babies Mm -hmm. and that may potentially end up in shelters and pits are free i think i saw on the website yeah because yeah. that's, I mean, what what's the deal with like dog breeding in the city? Because it's it's like, in like they're at least. I mean, a lot of people, honestly, a lot of people do it at home. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's sometimes an organized type event. Sometimes it happens spontaneously, and I can't even imagine having like an unspayed female in a oh, unneutered. Yeah. <laughs> especially cats, because they just go at it yeah. so frequently, and. I a lot of people when they come in and sometimes we'll say like are you interested in spaying or neutering and they sometimes the logic is that they want them to have one litter mm-hmm. before they spay them and then we explain to them you know in my opinion they don't have the same after the baby is weaned off of milk they don't have the same connection that people do with their children in my opinion you know they mm-hmm. they you know still love each other and will care for each other but the the 
the void that they think they are filling by allowing them to have children, I don't think that that is there. Oh, I think that they will still have a good quality of life and be happy as pets if they don't have children. And I think sometimes people want to sell them mm-hmm. and there's some other motivation involved too. But a lot of times people will do it in the home environment. There are breeders that I don't think there's a ton in the city. There's a lot of pet stops in the city that receive litters from breeders yeah. like elsewhere. Usually oh, like Pennsylvania really? is a big, mm-hmm. they breed a Breeding lot there. Um, but yeah, it happens and it's, you know, there's profit to it. So yeah. I think it's hard to convince people to do otherwise. And then people think that these are perfect animals because they're not in shelters. And I think that if you get an adult animal from a shelter, they're going to be up to date on their vaccines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They deworm them. There's vets that work in shelters specifically to work with these animals. And so, yes, they get things like kennel cough and parasites because there's so many animals yeah. there. But these are actually animals that are already potty trained and they're like looking for someone to love them again. Whereas, you know, you have to start from scratch if you get a puppy from, which is great, but not everyone yeah. realizes the work and it's burden of, of and expense. Yeah. Of doing that, oh my God. when you have no idea, you know what's going to happen with this eight-week puppy. So it's just, you, I think sometimes people are just not aware of what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, and sometimes you get a dog from a pet shop, and one week later has pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, don't don't buy an animal. Don't, go to, buy, go to, don't buy cats, especially too. I mean, go to one of the many shelters. Please and adopt. And the Toby Project is uh, is it just tobyproject.com? Yeah, or? I think yeah. it's .org. Dot .org. Go to the go to the uh, tobyproject.org and uh, donate. You can also uh, if you go to uh, Amazon, there's an option. If you go to like smiles.amazon.com, you can choose the Toby Project as your charity, and it will donate something like point oh five percent of every purchase will go to the Toby Project. So if you have, we time. just found out about that yesterday yeah we yeah. just did christina thank you so much for being here with us oh, thank and, you. and yeah talking we're, about we're gonna see you things. soon i'm sure I, that did not feel like an hour i know it doesn't it's, it's like 45 50 and, <laughs> yeah um but we'll have we'd love to have you back talk more because i had yeah. a, I had a bunch of questions i wanted to ask about <laughs> actual surgery yeah that we just we just didn't have time for um, i know that's a little grim for us, but, but I, I need to know. It's good. It's useful information. Yeah, I want to. I want to find out more about the cat pee surgery, like the blockage, like what. Oh, I can tell you all about. That. Ah! <laughs> all right, you, we're gonna have you um, back. So we'll uh, uh, end this episode with our secular prayer, and I will begin. Our fellow humans who aren't here and now. Hallowed be thy consciousness. The kingdom floats in a universe so vast it's like totally bananas, man. Therefore, be kind to each other. And don't eat so much bread. Ask forgiveness of your trespasses. And forgive those who trespass against you. Because all of us can be really fucking annoying. For thou art the mind inside thine stupid human suit. The only one of its kind. We are thus also. And that must simply be enough. Amen. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. This was are a you pleasure. on Twitter or anything? Is yeah. there some way people I'm can... not. <laughs> That's probably I'm really for the boring. So stop by City Vet and ask for Christina. <laughs> yeah, go to really oh, eat adopt, up day. adopt an animal and adopt then go the to animal. City Vet and say yeah. hi to Christina. Yes. Uh, thank you for listening to Stupid Human Suits. Good night. Thank you. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. 